Do you get the and countdown on your side? Yeah, I get the countdown. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, you got a new. This is this is new computer, Scott. This is yeah. new computers are great and awful. Oh, all yeah. at the same time. So if anybody's listening, my sound's crap. It's because I haven't got a mic, because I haven't got a USB port in my blooming <laughs> new Mac. Damn you, Apple. Never mind. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, it's insane. Do you kind of dread when you when you get like a new piece of gear, specifically, you know, like a, a new laptop or something like that? Because you have to update everything, yes. right? And you've got, I'm yes. not sure, do you use Pro Tools or what do you use? Oh man, I so I was a Pro Tools user for a long time, and then I switched to Ableton, and then I wanted it to be simple and all integrated, and so I had no logic. So I kind of I still use all three of those, but typically, mostly for the recording stuff that I do, just the simple overdub stuff, I'm using Logic. I do but Logic, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, man, like buying a new computer is it's like 3000 bucks or whatever it is. Like if yeah, you're in the yeah. Apple ecosystem, right. Yeah. And it's the most unfun $3,000 you'll ever <laughs> spend. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't do anything new. It's not like, Oh, the, the computer. Now the computer is going to make me an omelet. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it just does the same thing, but, but maybe a little faster or like, but it, it is like, one of the most unfun purchases to make. What have you got? What what computer have you got? Have you got a desktop? Got a two thousand. It's a laptop. Yeah, it's a two thousand eighteen MacBook. I, dude, I limped along. Do you remember the white plastic unibody MacBook? Oh yeah. yeah. Of like of like two thousand seven, two thousand six. Yeah. You know those. Did I, you have one I limped yeah. along with one of those until two thousand eighteen. So I had that computer for like ten years. And then finally, like it, I was running tracks on it for shows and stuff. And and then finally, like during a show, it died. Oh, it died <laughs> on a show. This is, this is terrible, yeah, dude. Thankfully, it was like like at the rehearsal, and so then we just ended up not using tracks for a portion of the thing. But um, yeah, and and it was at that point that I was like, all right, this is some bush league. Like, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I got, I gotta do this gotta one. My, my old one with all these stickers. Yeah. You watching? So this oh, love old it. one, MacBook Pro mid 2015. So mid 2015. <laughs> so like yeah, that's pretty old. Old, sc old school, dude. So I got this yeah. new Mac. <gasps> the speakers on this, the audio on it is just insane. Oh, that's cool. Is it a desktop or laptop? Insane. It's a laptop. It's insane. Okay. It's like sounds great. It's amazing. It's yeah. <laughs> anything, it's everything you ever wished for. It's like, it doesn't, so I'm like, I've got my MacBook here and I've got like a iMac here. And the iMac, yeah. the big, you know, it's almost the size of a TV, right? And right. the audio from the, from the big iMac is like nowhere near as good as the, the little laptop. Really? Yeah. Nowhere near crazy. as. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely with you in that. You know, when I buy a new laptop, I'm not, I just look at it as functional, you know, like I, and I absolutely destroy my laptops as well. I use them every single day for hours. So yep. they, they, and they're just all scratched to hell as well. But, um, so my point is I don't really look forward to getting a new Mac. 
and our new um, computer. But when I got this and I just heard the, the audio. audio, I was yeah. like, holy well, that's cool. shit, this is amazing. Dude, yeah. that, that's, that's good. They need to build in some feature at every update that is a, su- a surprise and delight. And, and maybe yeah. for some people out there, they're like, oh, no, well, the, the new graphics card to me is. But I have just always felt like they're just these marginal increases. I want to be blown away by the next Mac I buy. I want like I want it to do something that like surprises me. I'm like, wow. So. That sounds like a good. That sounds like a good surprise for you. Dude, it's a good way two better and a half audio. Thousand, yeah, it's a good two and a half thousand dollars well spent. Honestly, like <laughs> it was. It's 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 like next level. Like I'm not sure how crap my 2015 audio was. I'm not exact. So you might get it and you'd be like, Divine, you've just told me to spend two and a half thousand dollars on this thing, and it's no better than what I already had. So that legit could happen. But for me, right. it was like a net. It was just like another universe. It was amazing. I was just like, and even the kids and like all of us just like we were just standing around it, going like, Whoa, listen to it. <laughs> It's amazing. That's amazing. And it's, and That's you know cool. It it's the bass response as well. It's so right. Like you hear it. You oh, hear yeah. the yeah. And it's a lot you know, fatter when I'm, as well than my other. Like, yeah, I've gone old school. It's big and fat. Okay, cool. My the one that I have the 2018. The speakers are definitely better than my the white unibody plastic yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, like when I'm mixing videos for Instagram, I will just use the laptop as reference mm-hmm. because I want to be able to. You know, I love the sound actually of like bass coming through small speakers, and if you can get the bass to speak through small yeah. speakers, I think that's like it's such a win because so many people are just. <laughs> you know, sitting on the toilet watching, <laughs> watching a video, you know, on their phone. So yeah. it's like, you know, you may as well make it sound good in the commode on the phone. <laughs> Four hours later. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, man, exactly. Honestly, the amount of times I go to the toilet and like Lisa's like, don't be taking your phone with you. Don't be taking your phone with you. I'm like, what? What? You're like I'm, you're like I, I'm not as you're secretly like stashing it somewhere to, <laughs> dude. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm exactly like that. I'm exactly like that. Oh, I oh I wouldn't dream. Oh, Lisa, I wouldn't dream of it. My wife is the same, dude. Emily is like really. Oh, you're not you're not taking the phone in there. I'm like, oh no no oh, oh this no never never. And then it's like. <laughs> yeah, hide it in yeah, back pocket. Back, put it in the yeah. back pocket. Yeah, right, yeah. dude. You just you messaged me earlier and you were like, okay, we're going to talk about getting the gig, and I had, yeah. I had sort of like I had 15, 15, 20 minutes to just write down some ideas of, yeah. kind of like talking about getting the gig, and I actually came up with two lists. So oh, I, I, I came wait. up with yeah, dude, I, I went I went yeah. deep. So I've written the Ten Commandments to get in the gig. <laughs> Seriously, the Ten Commandments to get in the gig, and I also wrote. The Ten Commandments to keeping the gig. Uh, yeah, well, because that's the, like, getting the gig is only half the battle, or even, I don't even know if it's half the battle, but keeping the gig is a big deal. Yeah. Wow, so, this, sounds yeah. Like, this sounds legit, man. So the gigging Ten Commandments, but we might have to, we might have to sort of, like, break these out over two episodes. That, sure. That's my worry, because otherwise we've got 20 points. And, <laughs> so should we just dive in? Shall I just start yeah, I love it. point number yeah. one? Just for context as well. This is the Ten Commandments to getting the gig. And this is in no particular order. This is just random as they kind of sort of like flowed into my brain. So number one is, I've, I've written down, community is everything. 
get involved in your area or the you know the music scene in your area jam nights open mic nights local gigs online in i mean like and remember and i've put jam nights open mic nights local gigs obviously all of that is pertaining to within your area but then i finish it off and say online as in like the online community as well because because of the world that we live in right now i think that you can absolutely get a gig from an online connection whether it be a recording gig or an actual physical you know gig you're going to be able to get that from people online as well so that is my first community is everything get involved within the music scene in your area jam nights open mic nights local gigs and online you got any thoughts I love about that. that anything to add yes. to that I mean, immediately what it made me think of is there's this sort of thought of like, hey, we're going to go out tonight and we're going to network. And like in the, in the <laughs> yeah. very beginning for me, I remember thinking, well, I should probably print up a business card and I'm going to go out to these shows, you know. And, yeah, yeah. and then in the set break, I'm going to like walk up to the guy and say, well, hello, I'm a bass player and I have a card to give you. And if you'd ever like to use me on a gig, you know, but that's, of course, not <laughs> like that's insane. Yeah. I think um, I think the thing that at least how I have experienced this sort of community thing, at least in Minneapolis, um, is it's more about like going out, seeing the show, supporting the people, and then over a long term befriending a bunch of these people, enjoying these bands, finding local bands and players that you love and admire, and really just setting out to admire them full stop. And, and becoming a friend as opposed to kind of coming at it as this network opportunity. People can smell that from a mile away. Sure. And if you're kind of like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm new in town and I've got a, you know, here's my business card. It's just so, I mean, I personally don't respond well to that kind of thing. Like if someone just comes up, introduces yeah. themselves to me and is like, man, you're killing cool pedal. Here's my card. I'm like, yuck. <laughs> to me, it's just a slower process. And the thing that I thought of too when you were saying this is we, we're sort of, um, we talk about community, yet we all somehow feel also like there's this competitive thing in mm-hmm. scenes, like who's going to get the gig? Why does this person always get the gig? I think, at least for me, the best thing that I've ever done is just really try to befriend these other bass players, even if I do feel some sort of level of competition or something, Absolutely. because yeah. by being their friend, I feel like then I'm going to ask them to sub a gig for me. Then hopefully they will do that in turn, you know? Yeah. Even if I feel like, oh, man, even if I feel like, oh, boy, if this bass player gets on this gig that I do, they're really going to like him. And then I don't know if I'll get called back. You know? yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. that. I've, I've had that a few times where I've even said to an artist, I'm going to give you a sub, and then I think you're never going to call me again. But I think, but, but, but that's okay, because it always comes around, you know? So instead of looking at the scene like it's full of competitors and, you know, you're going to step on each other to get the gig, I really do think that it's, like, about kindness and relationship. And then if you're looking at it genuinely in that regard, it comes back to you. I don't know. What how, how have you experienced this? All of all, all of the above, all of that you just talked about there, and, and just just to jump off your um, on that point that you were just getting into, is that bass players befriending bass players, having a relationship with bass players in the area is like key. In fact, yeah. I've moved to cities before, and my number one strategy for getting gigs was to actually go and get um, lessons 
from the from the from the most popular plays That's in town. So good. Because so I knew good. that I could play well, so I was like, I'm just going to go get lessons. I'll bond with them over some bass licks and a coffee. You know, we'll enjoy the playing vibes, and I'll, you know, and and I won't even ask. I won't be like, hey, give me a sub gig. Like that's not going to happen. They've got my number, you know, and and just basically um, start the relationship like that, and then it will flourish into, hey, you know, I can't do a gig. Do you want to do this gig that I can't do? You know, and because everybody wants great. The the key thing is all bass players need great subs. It's they so need true. they need great subs and depth. We call them depths in the UK. Every yeah, yeah. bass player needs a depth, right, and a, and a great sub. So it's not that you know that it's not a uh, a thing that everybody needs because it absolutely is. So you know, getting into the scene, um, meeting all of the really popular bass players, meeting the the unpopular, but you know, the the guys just getting into everybody. the scene and befriending yep. everybody. Yeah, and I've seen people move to cities and go through this. And to your point, it takes longer than you think. It yes. takes a long time. I've seen people come to Leeds and it, it takes six months to a 12-month period to really get ingrained so they're sort of like friends with people. They're not the new guy or the new girl. Everybody's sort of like digging off their vibe and then they're going to start getting gigs and stuff like that. And I've also seen people move to cities like Leeds or London and they just and they don't stick it out. They don't stick it out. They'll do like three months or they'll do six months and then like, oh, they're not getting the calls and then they bail. So I think that <laughs> right. for anybody listening to this, um, just set your expectations correctly. It's gonna, it's like, it's a long, it's a long road. You know, it's a long road in terms of getting um, ingrained into a community. And I think yeah, you've got you have to, to be- invest, right? You've definitely got to invest yeah. a lot of time. You know, I saw somebody do it really well in London, actually, they moved to London and I talked to him specifically about it. Um, and how he went about it. And he said he was just militant about going to all the jam sessions that where all of the, the, the plays were that he wanted to play with. And he said, and sometimes, and he said he'd go every single week, every single week without fail. He was going to like two or three jam sessions, the same ones. And he said, so after like a couple of months, he said people knew who he was and they were like recognizing him and he was doing that whole thing. But he said there was, like, I, I, I can't remember the exact amount, so I'm going to make one up. But it was something along the lines of, like literally 50% of the time, I did not want to go. I just didn't want to right. go. But I knew that that was the, the barrier to entry was I needed to turn up. So he was investing his time in be, becoming part of that community. And the byproduct of that is that obviously he became part of the community and then met loads of like-minded musicians. They didn't see him as some kind of guy that was like wandering around sort of like, you know, trying to sell himself. They saw somebody who really loved the scene and was part of it and then therefore started getting gigs. And he was also getting lessons as well from some of the bigger players in that area. And that paid off because he became the sub drummer as well. So yeah, sure. Yeah, just you know, <clears throat> and that that thing about lessons too is so good. Um, and I think that sometimes if you consider yourself a pro, or there's this thing about like, well, I don't know that I need lessons, or I don't know that I want to take lessons. And if that's you, if you're listening to this and thinking that, get that like scrub that because really sometimes what a lesson is is just an opportunity to create a relationship it's not necessarily like you need to go and learn your two octave mode fingerings from the you know from the excellent bass teacher in town it's more like you're going to 
get on their radar, right? And and it's almost a fast track in a sense. Like I I notice too that when I have done lessons even online with people and I develop a relationship with them, I'll start to follow them, I'll start to hit them to things. We, then we have like we have rapport. And if someone just DMs me cold, we don't build that same kind of rapport. So think about a lesson that you take either, I mean, this applies online as well, either locally or, you know, via Zoom or Skype. Think of it as an investment in your relationships and this Absolutely. business, as, as I know you know this, Scott, but this business actually isn't about music. It's about people. This is a PR business yeah, <laughs> more than it is really like about music. I mean, yes, you have to have your skills together, but you also have to have your PR skills together so Absolutely. much. Okay. So that was point number one, communities, Great. everything, get involved oh, we did in it. your area, jam nights, open mic nights, local gigs online. But add to that, obviously get lessons from great players, create relationships with great bass players, um, and really set your expectations in terms of how long it's going to take. It's going to take a while. Don't be one of the guys or the girls that bounce too early. Number two. Oh yeah. Number, number two, two, moving on, moving on, moving on. Number two, don't be afraid of taking low, low paying gigs. Mm. dot 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 it's the free trial okay so yes. we were talking about this last week so let me just give context to this obviously there's a lot of controversy about you know you shouldn't take low paying gigs it is driving down the you know the the bar in terms of how how much people will you know gig for and stuff like that you're it's a big de- eye roll for yes, me you're devaluing music by taking low and paying low paying gigs yeah. and all of that good stuff right we talked about it last week, and my point was there is always going to be low-paying gigs. There's always going to be low-paying gigs, and and great players are always going to be doing low-paying gigs as well because right. the, the dudes, you know, the dudes and the dudettes, sometimes they just want to go down and play great music, and if they yes. get 15 bucks for it, they're happy. You know, you paid for their fuel or whatever, and they play great right. music. So there's always actually going to be low-paying gigs. And for what sure. I see um, and, and saw when I specifically when I moved to this area in Leeds when I moved here is that those low paying gigs were my that was my entry point into the scene. It was like, hey, we've got this low paying gig, and this guy he might not want to do it because like he's you know he's a bit further up the ladder, but you know this young guy called Scott he might do it. Do you want to do it? And you know and there's me and then three of the great players on that gig, and that was my opportunity to get in and just you know put my best foot forward and, yes. and and try and create a, again, a relationship, create a relationship, but also give people sort of like a good vibe for what I am as a musician and all of that good stuff. So, and what I likened to it um, last week when we were talking about this is the free trial when you sort of like, you know, when you get to a bit of software, it's like, hey, do you want a 14 day free trial? If you go to scottspacelessons.com, hey, do you want a, do you want a 14 <laughs> day right. free trial? It is the free trial. It's the musicians in your area. Yeah, you know, you're getting your fuel paid for or your taxi cab paid for. You know, you're not getting anything that's going to pay the rent or the mortgage. It might buy you a can of beans. I'm not sure. But that is the free trial. It's your opportunity to get in among the players that are actually on the scene, do the thing that you do, and hopefully they'll dig it and you'll get more well-paying gigs from it. And and for me, that strategy just, like, paid off time and time and time again. I I met most of the players on this scene, actually, uh, in Leeds, doing low-paying gigs, and then that's where all of the better-paying gigs came from. I don't know. What about you? Oh, absolutely. I think people that people that complain about, you know, oh, the low paying gigs or people that are doing gigs on Fiverr or whatever. I mean, that's just dinosaur stuff, man. I think that, I think you can disregard that. I think if you don't have 
brand recognition, name recognition, a big gig under your belt. You're starting out. You don't have those things. What you have, you don't have any leverage. So what you have is time, right? If you don't have brand, you have time and that's your most valuable asset. So time to spend uh, on preparing for this gig, on looking for the gig, on taking the gig that doesn't pay very much, right? In order to build your repertoire and your, you know, your resume. Um, I used to, I thought a long time ago that I needed to have rates and someone would say, how much do you charge for a gig? And I'd say this much money. And they'd say, yikes, that's too much. (laughs) And who the hell are you anyway? And I'd say, well, I'm a professional bass player. And I lost so many opportunities as a result of thinking in that kind of like stodgy old business mindset. And then, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before on the pod, but um, I saw JMJ, Justin Meldell Johnson, talk about this thing where he talked about if he gets asked to do something and he thinks it's cool. Like he thinks the opportunity sounds exciting to him for whatever reason. And we all know what that feels like. If someone says, Hey, do you want to do this? And you get excited. You get that welling feeling of excitement. Ooh, cool. You should do it. Follow that. Because what will happen is if you do enough of that stuff that feeds you, you're going to really invest in it. Other artists that are in the similar vein might check you out. It might lead to your thing, right? So that's how it's been for me. I have really followed that idea, especially early on of like, if it sounds cool to me and I get excited about it, I'm going to say yes to it, even if the dollar value is low, um, because I think that's going to lead to more happiness in my career in terms of artistic happiness. So yeah. that's how I look at that. I think um, I think it's huge. Take take the gigs. Take the gigs. Take the gigs yeah. for free. Yeah. Don't be, don't do be afraid of taking low pay, low paying gigs. And the reason why I put that in as well is because I heard or I have heard of a lot of students over the last few years that are kind of um, not really feeling it. You know, they're quite quite kind of sort of like pushing against the, the low paying gig thing. And I just wanted to point out that for me, it was huge in terms of my development um, as, as a gigging musician and also just kind of sort of like repositioning what it is. It's a free trial and put and do your and, and, and when you go and do the low paying gig, do the best job possible. We talked about that last week yes. as well. Yes. It's the free trial. As in, can imagine if you signed up to, for, for, like, to a bit of software. It says, take your 14-day free trial. You sign up to that bit of software, and then they don't really give you a great experience. They give you like, a <laughs> pretty substandard experience. And maybe if he becomes a, a paying customer, then we'll, then we'll give him the... the then we're really going to roll it out for then, you. Then we'll yeah. roll it out. Or, or when somebody signs up to SBL, yeah, take the 14-day free trial, but understand that you're not going to get a really great experience until you, you become a paying member, right? It's the yeah, same. Yeah. Thing here, right? And also, exactly. Again, I also said it last week is that when it comes to, um, and, and this is just to clarify because people might take what we're saying and apply it to other areas in terms of gig and musicianship, like bands and stuff like that. So it's not a one size fits all. In that, when I was, um, I was part of my uh, better half, my wife. Um, was a running a corporate events band and she was running a quartet, right? And that quartet, if you went to the agency, okay, and you typed our name in the agency, quartets available within that genre, we were the, the highest, um, the highest, our, our, you know, what we charged was the highest out of all of the bands. So and what I'm not saying is we should all, you know, gig for zero and go right. out, and, you know, I mean, charge no money, because that is a race to the bottom. So in terms of pricing yourself as a band and all of that, that is a different, what we're talking about here is like getting gigs. We're not talking about 
pricing strategy when it comes to bands and corporate events and weddings and stuff like that. Again, that is a whole separate conversation. You, what you don't want to do is be the cheapest within the market. You know, that is a complete For separate sure. conversation. You don't want to be the budget option. You don't want to be the budget option. You actually mm-hmm. want to be the, the premier option. That's what you want to be. But again, that is a completely different conversation really from what we're talking about. Now. And that comes too. Yeah, no, and you're so right. But don't you think though that that comes after a bit of journey? Like being the premier option, you don't deserve or have the opportunity to be the premier option until you've done a lot of these other things first. Yeah, yeah. the learning opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So taking the low paying gigs or taking the thing that feels exciting and creative um, uh, that maybe doesn't pay a lot of money will get you to be the premier option. And if you're going, geez, how, what, what are some metrics to decide on some of these things? Go back and listen to the gig triangle or potentially the gig square. Gig square. Pod episode. <laughs> <laughs> the gig square episode. Yeah, yeah. Cause Scott added another side to the shape. Um, and, uh, I think, um, we talk a lot about uh, the things that go into deciding about happiness or if you should or shouldn't take or stay in a particular gig situation. And that could really help you out if you're going, well, gosh, I really love the people, but oh, there's no money and I hate the music. Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, then you only got one out of three. Oh, and the musicianship is terrible. Now you only got one out of one out of the four, right? Yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. that be a gig to take, right? But but in the beginning, especially if you're trying to build this idea of yourself in a market to build your personal brand, or even if you just want to be playing and you're not thinking about building yourself up as a brand, taking those low paying gigs, the beginning, it cannot hurt you. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And you'll meet some great players doing it as well. Yeah. And you'll get your ass kicked doing it as well, which is really important. Okay. <laughs> um, but okay, next up. So number two, sorry, was don't be afraid of taking low paying gigs. It is the free trial. Number three is have a level of visibility online. I think like this isn't sort of like absolutely needed, but I think that it helps because the way I see it, especially when you're maybe like new in a scene, it can be your CV. Like people want to see you play. And I think that having an Instagram account where you're visible and you're posting and you're being creative and you're you know doing what you're doing, um, I think it absolutely cannot hurt. And I've actually heard of, I can't remember who it was, but they, they actually got hired off of Instagram by this like huge, um, I can't remember who the musician was. It was like Stanley Clark. Maybe it was Stanley Clark. I think that it was Stanley Clark. He hired his, the last drummer he was working with from seeing them on Instagram or like sure. YouTube or something like that. And was just like, this guy's awesome and hired them. So, you know, yep. it, it I mean, you know, it, it happens more than ever, and it will continue to happen. It will continue to be the place where people go. Right now, social has all the eyes. It has the attention. It's not going to change anytime soon. I mean, platforms may change, but social media as a concept of seeing what you're up to will not change for a long time. Yeah. And so, yeah, to have some kind of strategy about like, well, I want to have this, so I think I want to post. I mean, I, I genuinely love it. I'm one of those, I don't know if it's rare, but I talk to people who are like, Oh, I hate it. Uh, I know I should, but uh, I genuinely love. I think it's a habit um, thing, man. I think it's a habit. Yeah, thing. could be, could be. Yeah. yeah, I've figured out a lane on Instagram, and I really enjoy doing it. I mean, I know a bunch of opportunities that have come up for me in the last 
Geez, I mean, the last four years have been a result of Instagram. I mean, working with you, I'm here with you right now because yeah, of, of Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, because of Instagram, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and there have been gigs. The biggest gig I ever played with uh, Gavin DeGraw, Target Field opening up for Billy Joel. That was via Instagram. It started with a relationship first, actually. Mm. I, you know, Steve Gould, the drummer, you know, told the band, oh, this guy would be great. Then they were like, well, how can we see this guy? Instagram. And I find that people want to check out your social media more than they want to maybe check out your website. Unless, unless you know, yeah. you're selling a product or something. Um, but if you're a player and you want to get gigs, Instagram or TikTok, TikTok probably even more so um, as we as we journey into the mid I was going to uh, ask you, what's your, what's your cause people might be listening to us talking now and might be thinking, oh, okay, well, which platform? What What is yeah. it for you? Give them context for you. I mean, you know, I'm 43, so uh, Instagram became, Instagram was so cool, like as, you know, as Facebook was sort of like, well, oh man, now, you know, your your parents and grandparents are on Facebook, and ooh, it's sort of like aging up, Instagram was the thing, so I got really comfortable on that platform. TikTok comes along, people are like, oh, it's just 13-year-old girls dancing, and when you know, when people, when old people poo-poo a platform that's getting huge, <laughs> You know, like, oh, that's actually a tell that it's going to be massive. I think yeah, TikTok yeah, yeah. will become what Instagram was in 2016. Got kind it. of the, like, the hip, hot uh, thing. And, I mean, it's they're, they're doing so many business things right. They're allowing tips now. Uh, there are so many businesses that are advertising there. It's it's a monster platform. I mean, I my biggest community is on Instagram but I, you know, I've certainly got eyes on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> for me, sure. me for sure, man, me for sure. And I think that, like, my my favorite as a user of in, of of social media is Instagram's my favorite. Yeah. Um, interestingly, just just for sort of like side note, interesting. Um, I had a conversation just before I hopped on here with you actually with um, a great guy called Tashar who works on the. Um, the ad side of SBL, so he's the guy that sort of like helps us manage all of that side of of what we do, and and we were talking about Facebook actually, and like Tushar is like the when it comes to actually sort of like understanding sort of like what's going on in the background of all of these social media yeah. channels like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and really kind of like what's going on. He's got sort of you know he's got direct sort of like contact with like you know people that are managing those platforms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was like, dude, what's going on with Facebook? I was like, where, where are we going with it? And he was like, right. dude, Facebook's going to go away. That's what he said. He was like, Facebook's going to go away. He was like, and I was like, whoa. You know, and I think they are. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that this, the renaming, I think that they're going to go in a lot of different directions. So I think that, and I think that they know it. It's, Yeah. Exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, stuff. I wonder, I wonder how long it will take people to start using the word meta instead of Facebook. Like, will will everyone transition to saying Meta versus Facebook? I don't know. Do you know what? It's actually weird that it pronou- the pronunciation of Meta in in the UK is actually not. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well as in the states. Mm. Like you guys say Meta, 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 but we yeah. say Meta. It's kind of sort of like quite angular. It's a bit more of a mouthful. It's angular. It's like, hey, have you been on Meta? Meta. It's kind of angry. You know, Meta. You got your teeth in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was wondering when I saw that um, news article saying that they've uh, they've rebranded it Meta. 
I was like, I wonder if we are going to adopt a, a, a some, some kind of like a, 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 have a US slant on how we pronounce that in the future, oh, yeah, or whether we, or whether we... we're still going to go meta. <laughs> Meta, yeah, man. It's, it's really easy, man. You just make that T a D and Met, you're all meta, good. Meta. meta. Yeah. It's so fun, isn't it? Anyway, number four. So number three was have a level of visibility online. Number four, I think this is so important, is create your own projects. Don't wait for the doorbell to ring. Ooh. Take control. Mm. And mm. just for context on this, is this is something that I, I wish I'd done way earlier. I was definitely one of the dudes who was sort of like just waiting for the doorbell to ring, right? Yes. And then in this, in sort of like in into my life, swooped this guy who I randomly ended up sort of like sharing his house with. And he was just like not waiting for the, door, the doorbell to ring. He was creating the gigs. He just yes. came along and he just started, he had his own projects. He, he was writing his own music. He was like, hey, Who's who? Who are the great players in town? I was like, uh, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Was like, oh, wicked! How do I how do I meet them? I was like, oh, just go down to these gigs. You'll meet them. He was down there, and then like two weeks goes by, those great players are in our front room rehearsing his music with him. He didn't wait for incredible. The, he didn't r- wait for the doorbell to ring. He created the gig. He created it. So yes. from that, from seeing that, it was just sort of like mind blowing, and really actually had a, a big part in the start of SBL as well. I wouldn't have really started SBL, I don't think, if it was... I was just in that mindset of just waiting. I was just, like, yeah, waiting wait for somebody to... practice. Yeah, and practice. And see who calls. Waiting yes. for somebody. And then going through <laughs> right. that experience, I, I definitely started my own projects, but and my, the biggest one that I ever created, but it was definitely off the back of really seeing Gaz do that, um, mm. who Gaz... It was a guy called Gaz Parry. Um, but seeing him cool create... Name. Gas Parry, cool yeah. Name, dude. yeah, yeah, Mr. <laughs> Parry. But um, it was seeing him kind of like own his own projects that really gave me the um, the kick up the ass that I needed to. Hey, go start your own thing. And SBL was it for me. But it could have been my own gigs as well, you know. Did it almost feel like permission to like? It was absolutely uh, like, yeah, yeah, right. Like like you did almost didn't even know you could kind of, or like, oh, you know, you didn't have the wherewithal to think, well, I'm going to be a band leader or I'm going to be an entrepreneur or, you know, I'm going to be a songwriter. Like, I think sometimes people just don't maybe shoot, like look big enough or dream big enough. And they sort of think, well, I'm going to, I need to, I need to take a gig. So I'm going to just kind of wait and see. I'll practice. I'm really good when the phone calls. And it's, it's almost like playing defense where there needs to be a level of offense, right? Oh, dude, there's so many, even just thinking locally, there is so many great players that are just sitting on their ass waiting for the, yeah. waiting for the call. And, and they could be doing something amazing. They're great players, and they just really need to create that opportunity for themselves. But I think that exactly what you were talking about, I think that they just don't see themselves as that. They just see themselves, or I think... They don't see themselves as that, so that holds them back. They're probably a little insecure about being the the, the guy that, or the girl right. that's sort of like at the center of Fronting something. Fronting something. Yeah. It, it feels maybe a little bit obnoxious. Obviously, that's total BS, but just, you know, because we are who we are and, you know, we have insecurities and stuff like that. And then also, I'm going to say it, you know, some people are a little hard of hard work. 
Yeah. For sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Old school. Like, is that like an old heart of hard work? Is that like an old school UK thing? That, that's <laughs> some like blue collar. <laughs> that, that's some farm boy. That's some divine farm boy stuff, man. <laughs> you know, like, I love it. I actually I love it. offended somebody a few years ago. Just, um, I'm, I'm going to, I will, yeah, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say exactly what I said. Actually. Please. I just please. said, we were in this guy's living room. And everybody was, everybody was kind of sort of like moaning about them being no gigs. I was like, but dudes, let's just be real, right? Just, most of the musicians, we're just a bit shit, aren't we? You're just getting, just getting stuff together and making it happen. Sure. And they were like, no. And there was this sort of like, and he was really offended. And I was like, no, seriously, man, we are. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many people do you know that fall out of bed at like 10 in the, 10 in the morning? Right. And then they're sort of like... You know, shuffling around in the slippers, sort of like munching and on I the rice like water. <laughs> Maybe it gets to sort of like one o'clock in the afternoon. They're like, hmm, I might pick up my base. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I'm just like, get real, course. dude. I was like, like really, we're, we're, there's a, you know I mean, we're, we're not great when it comes to sort of like getting stuff together and making it happen. And, and I didn't know that it re- I'd really offended him to like a couple of years later, actually. Um, when he was actually, he became really successful. He became really, yeah. So Amazing. This, this, yes. is the, this, is the, this is the best thing, right? So he, yeah. he actually worked his ass off and became really successful. And, and we were speaking years afterwards. And he was like, can I tell you something? I was like, yeah, go for it, man. He was like, do you know when you said that we're just really shit? He was like, you actually really offended me. He was like, you yeah. really offended me. And he said, and it's only now, like a few years later, after I'd sort of like, I've grinded my balls off and sort of like <laughs> bled through my eye, eyeballs, actually putting in a lot of work yeah. that I can reflect on what you said back then and be like, oh, you're, you're right. hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Really I mean, you know, yeah. yeah, typically like if if something like that offends someone, it's because it's it's digging into truth, right? It's like it's it's uncovering something that you're trying to hide. Yeah, yeah. And, Check this out. Let, let me let's stay on this for just a second because I think that when I used to hear this of like get off your ass, start your own project, I felt like that was only in like a band space. Like, okay, now I need to write my own music, hire players, and become a band. And that was so daunting to me. So, like, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, geez, I'm not really a songwriter. I don't even know that I'm a band leader. Check it out. I did something in 2003. Three, uh, 2004 or five, maybe, where Lakeland, Scott, do you remember Lakeland? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still, there's still a company making bases, making great bases out of Chicago. But at the time, they were owned by um, the, the first guy that owned the company that made the company named Dan Lakin. And I had played some of their cheaper instruments, their Skyline instruments, that were amazing. And then they made these U.S. bases that were really expensive. I was just out of college, and I was totally broke, and I was gear hound still am (laughs) obviously (laughs) and i really and my goal was i just wanted one of those nice u.s bases i could never pay for it so what i decided to do there was a music shop in town that had some skylines and i had a couple of friends that had them i gathered i think four of them that i didn't own and i recorded clips um one was a p bass one was a jazz bass i think one was the jerry chef model uh it had those like uh lipstick uh kent armstrong yeah, yeah, pickups yeah, yeah. in yeah. it yeah and a 5502 which is their kind of stingray meets fender that was their sort of flagship model and i recorded um 
And I, I even got some friends, my, my band, like my rock band, we recorded some tracks, we recorded like a punk rock sounding thing, a hard rock sounding thing, and then like a country. And then I think I did a slap thing. So four genres. And then I put all of these bases over all the genres and I did them by pickup. So neck pickup on each one, both pickups on each one, bridge pickup on each one. And then I burned a CD, dude, <laughs> because that's what you did yeah. then. Imported all that stuff into iTunes, burned a CD and mailed it to Lakeland. <laughs> and I Just... and check it out, check it out. And I listened to all of those clips <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. Of course I did, as well as like yeah. all of the rest of the bass community. It was massively yeah. valuable. Anyway, tell the rest of your that... story. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's great. I mean, it's so funny because now I, I talk to people who are like, wait, that was you? Yeah. Because at the time, YouTube hadn't been invented yet, which is wild. And no one was doing it. No one was putting up sound clips. And I remember there were a few people at Lakeland. So Dan called me and was like, this is cool. Like, who are you? You know? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just this guy and I love your instruments and... And uh, he was like, you should come out. So my wife, my girlfriend, who became my wife, Emily, you know, we drove to Chicago and met with Dan. And he was like, yeah, I think this is cool. And we hung out and he saw that I, you know, could form a sentence. And, you know, <laughs> was a nice guy. And, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know you're, you're just not sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like when yeah. you can't Skype or, you know, there was no iPhones. I mean, man. But the, the crazy thing was there was a clear goal for me. Like, and even though it may seem kind of like a silly goal, I wanted, you know, a U.S. Lakeland bass guitar. Yeah. And I thought, well, how can I get that? And I don't want to save up for three years. I want to get it in six months. Yeah. What if I could do some work for them that that provided some value, right? And so it was about just figuring out a project. Yeah. And there were people that poo-pooed it like, oh, man, you know, oh, but what if it's maple and rosewood? And I'm like, what are you? No, what this is going to do, what, what I saw it as, as an interface. So if there was a customer that was interested in a base and they got to click on things on the website, the more things they got to click on, the better. Yeah. It almost didn't even matter what the instrument sounded like. I mean, I, I, you know, I think they sounded good and I tried to make them sound good. I mean, although I go back and listen now and I'm like, oh, I would have done the production so much differently. And, but you know, I mean, I was in my twenties and, yeah. and I just thought this would give the a user, I would want to be able to, to use this function on a website, on Modulus's website, on exactly. the, you know, Tobias MTD website on. And so it was just this idea of let's see if we can give users more fun, which is definitely going to lead to more sales. And they paid me in bases and I think I helped them sell a bunch of instruments. Exactly. So it was a good, yeah, it was good. Exactly. And it was a thing that I had created out of thin air. And everyone can do the same thing. Exactly. I think that the, 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 the high level thing here is that you created your own opportunity, right? You didn't right. wait for anybody. You didn't wait for Dan to give you a call. Hey, right. do you want to make some bass clips? You actually <laughs> you went and never, did it. Yeah. Exactly. It's never going to happen, <laughs> right. is it? So whether it's right. doing a project or doing something like that, you can actually create your own opportunity. And I think there's so many opportunities for people to really lean into. So I really, really invite people to have a think about that. Create your own projects. Don't wait for the doorbell to ring. Take your own control. That was number four. Number five, halfway through almost. Number oh, five, learn tunes, work on your repertoire, jazz, pop, rock, you know, all of the above. You'll be more employable, you know. Yes. I, I'll just say my piece and then obviously Please. you can take it. I think this is so important. 
I think it's really important to just have a repertoire of tunes that you know, and it is all of the stuff that you probably think I'm talking about. I mean, it's really important to know I Want You Back. It's really important yes. to know all of those sort of like old classics and really should somebody should put there probably is sort of like a list out there isn't there for sort of like you know t- pop tunes you should know sort of like the 60s <laughs> to modern day but really like yeah. all of the great players in and around the areas and that, that i've worked in um all throughout my career those great players they just know a bunch of tunes and if you're yes. specializing in a certain area like jazz for instance you know, you need to learn a bunch of jazz tunes and you need to work on your repertoire as that's it's a skill set in itself. If you're thinking, well, I'm a rock player, it's not really something rock players do. Well, you are wrong. You are, you wrong, are wrong, my friend. I went to the yes. I went to the Lucky Strike, right? Who's playing there? So Billy Sheen's there, Nuno Betancourt's there. There's a bu- yeah, <laughs> just like a bunch of freak show awesome players, right? Wow. These guys played all night long and they knew all the tunes they knew all the zeppelin tunes they knew like they just knew all of those classic rock tunes they knew white snake tunes that it was just amazing and i was like holy cow i was like there's there's jazz standards there's like hard rock standards as well yeah for sure so it's just really important that you work on your repertoire and learn tunes because when you get on a gig with people they're going to really love it when they're like hey should we just do and you're like oh yeah wicked i know that tune Right. It's just it's a level of comfort for the musicians you're working with. What about you? What do you now, think? I 100% agree. I just want to ask you this: say, pretend, um, 22 year old, a 22 year old is listening who's never hasn't dug into the repertoire yet wants to but it feels so daunting so learn all the jazz standards learn all the blues standards learn all the rock standards my question to you is how so yeah we can jump on we can jump on youtube and try to find the list but if you're in that position scott divine what do you do to like let's just say let's say um the rock uh wedding band standards uh Motown, rock music, 80s, 90s, Motown, maybe a couple of jazz standards, maybe At Last is thrown in there for a ballad. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. how do you actually learn that apart from a YouTube lesson? I, well, I'll tell you how I have learned it in the past. And maybe, like, I, I don't, I think I would probably go, the, the, I guess the difference is that I'd probably go about it different now to, to what I did back then. I didn't yeah. really understand the importance of a repertoire, I don't think, when I started. And I think sort of like looking back, I was like, oh shit, you should have got it together and sort of like learned some tunes faster. So how I actually went about it is I definitely did learn some tunes um, so on the jazz side, I was like, I need to learn some standards. So I learned sort of like five to 10 kind of like key standards, you know, that everybody kind of sort of like knows if you're going to be playing in sort of like jazz type ensembles. And what you yeah. find is once you've learned sort of like 10 standards, a lot of the same progressions start repeating themselves and stuff That's like right. that. So I did that. I definitely learned sort of like, you know, around 10 standards way back when. Um, and then with the pop stuff, I actually learned a lot of it preparing for gigs, honestly. Yeah. Like, I just had a lot of gigs where it's like, okay, you know, we've got to do this gig. Here's the, Here four, we go. Here's the 40 tunes you've got to learn. 
you know so i just had to learn them so i just like sit down there and i just learn the tunes and i am a prepper man i am like just like you right i'm like a real real prepper i will actually and i've done this at various points in my life if i've got a bunch of tunes to learn i will get up in the morning i'll have my breakfast obviously this is pre-kids right because now i get up in the morning i i make everybody else's breakfast and i even forget to like this morning i was like something's not right i feel a bit weird oh it's because it's like half 11 in the morning and i haven't eaten anything because i just fed everybody else except myself anyway rewind so back in the day i'd get up i'd have my breakfast and then i'd sit down and i would just learn those tunes for the gig Mm. all morning and then i would have my lunch and then i would learn them and i'd practice with the tapes i'd write them out i'd practice more with the tapes i'd be listening to them all the time so i'd really commit to to learning those tunes and i did it kind of in these sort of like cramming sessions where it was you know i've got 40 tunes to learn the gigs in two weeks go you know just insanity yeah ah you know learning oh and by the way it's 50 dollars you know and you're like ah (laughs) yeah just going back to what we were talking about earlier you know remember it's a free trial you want to give people massive value in that free trial even if it's a 50 dollar gig you need to absolutely blow people away they're like that's right i cannot believe that this guy's putting so much work and he's only getting 50 dollars. that's what should people should be coming away from that gig saying whoa he nailed it, and it's only $50. Exactly. Okay. Yes, yes. So, so that's how I learned. Um, that's how I learned. How would I change that? If I was going through it again, I think I'm, I probably would have been a little more systematic about it. I think I would have done probably what I did with the jazz tunes, I would have done with the pop and the Motown and stuff like that. So I would have, mm-hmm. I would have tried to learn sort of like five to ten Motown classics. I think I would have tried to learn, you know, five to ten rock classics. Just mm-hmm. get them under my fingers, just so I understood the genre a little bit more. Understanding the genre. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's pop, a great, that's a great call. Pop as well, you know, understanding mm-hmm. sort of like some pop, those, those pop standards that, that are going to get called on... Uh, you know, function gigs and corporate events and stuff like that. I, I would have just been a little bit more systematic about it. Um, and and then when it comes to actually how to learn them, sitting down there, writing the, stru- the, the song structure out, playing along with the videos and then trying to get rid of it and trying to play it from memory, because all of that's a muscle, isn't it? Like learning oh, that for sure. is a muscle. So, and for instance, I was talking to a, I think it was like Lee Sklar, Lisa, I was talking to a friend and like Lee Sklar got the call to do the Toto gig and he had something like two days to prepare for it. Something yeah. bonkers, right? Yes. And, and turned up and nailed the gig. And right. that is that he's been pumping that muscle all his life. He will right. be able to, same as like other guys that I've seen like do similar, not the, the Toto thing, but have I've sort of like seen kind of just like learn rapid like fang songs super fast, like Sean Hurley, John Button, you know, like yes. over in LA, they, they're just really fast at learning songs. So it is a muscle that needs to be worked. Just like when you go to the gym, or, I've been, or so I've been told, you know, <laughs> you, you go on your leg day, you know, and you tear it out, you do your, your back day or whatever. You, do, you, do they have a back day? I'm not sure. But anyway, let me know in the comments. Um, but it's just the same. It is a muscle that needs to be worked. Yeah. So that is what, yeah. that's how I deal with it now, I think. And you've talked too before about like throwing yourself into an uncomfortable situation in order to, you know, make gains. And I love the idea too of like, okay, how, how to get the gig? Yeah, learn these tunes, but offer yourself into a situation that might feel uncomfortable. If you don't really know how to play the blues, 
learn a couple of tunes and then go to a jam and yeah. you learn how to do it. If you don't know how to play jazz, find some people to do a brunch, yeah. learn a few tunes and go and do it because by doing it, by really putting your feet in the fire, you're going to learn how to navigate that genre. Um, and and I know, I've maybe told this story before, but briefly, um, I didn't know how to play Motown music or like soul music very well. I got offered to sub a gig. It was a hundred bucks. It was 70 tunes. The great Nick Salisbury in town here. The band was called the Irresistibles. Amazing band. And I said, I kind of moaned. I said like, oh, uh, uh, and he said, well, let me ask. He goes, let me ask you this. He goes, how, um, how, how well do you know this bag of tunes? And I was like, not, not very well. And he said, well, what if you went to study with someone? Um, what, and you went to study this genre, what would they make you do? And I said, oh, learn tunes. And he said, <laughs> second, he goes, second question, would, would they pay you? And I said, <laughs> no. What dude, what dude, would they pay you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, right. So, so, you know, it's about mindset. You talk about this all the time. It's about mindset. It's about saying, wow, I'm going to get 50 bucks to essentially have a crash course lesson on all of the best songs that you would play at someone's wedding or or all the great jazz standards that I'm going to play at this brunch or all of the classic blues turnarounds that I'm going to learn at the night at Famous Dave's Barbecue in the States. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's you have to look at it as an opportunity to learn a new bag. And then what happens to your playing is it goes, you just click. Up. It does, yeah. You get Absolutely, clicked. yeah. Yeah. And you've made a little bit of money in the process. Uh, incredible. It's incredible. So you <laughs> yeah. got to, yeah, you got to learn tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was number six, learn to read. And, oh, hang on. Number five, learn to learn tunes, repertoire, obviously jazz, pop, rock, all of the above. You'll be more employable. Number six is learn to read and write charts. No, yeah. And then I put notation is optional. But you've Ooh, got to be able to read. Yeah, you've got, I, I honestly think that to be sort of like a gigging musician, you need to be able to, well, obviously, you need to be able to read charts. And that doesn't mean notation, but how many gigs have you been on where it's sort of like you, you need to read a chart and they give you a chart and it might not have notation on it, but it's going to have chord symbols on it. And you yeah, better need or numbers. To, oh, yeah, or numbers. And you need to be able to read it on the fly as the band is playing. And that is a skill set in itself. And also, sure. you need to learn to write them as well because if you can't yes. write them, then you can't read them. That's like being able to, you know, to to be able to read a book, you need to be able to write, you know what I mean, within the language that you are reading. Same thing here. You need to be able to re write them. You need to be able to read charts. Notation is optional. I think that it is great to read a little bit of notation, even if it's sort of like just a little bit of it, because at some point you are going to get some point in front of you. And even if you're not sort of like a crazy, badass sight reader, it's, yes. it's great to be able to sort of like get through it anyway. Even if you have to mark out with a pencil, Mr. Allison, you're looking guilty as I'm doing this. You know? <laughs> Dude, I just have a, I mean, <laughs> I've got a, Oh, I have a tale of woe in terms of notation. I don't know if you do, but God, I, do. I mean, I have, yeah. I have tales of triumph with charts and I have a real, like uh, the story, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, 
I have a real tale of woe with notation. Uh, but let me say this about charts. <laughs> charts, um, I had to start to really learn how to read and write charts because I was in the studio. And, I, you know, there would be um, certain producers like to work with charts and certain artists who would show up with charts. Or a lot of times what I've, I've done a lot now, um, and I learned this a lot from Corey Wong. I would work with him in a studio in Wisconsin called The Drum Farm. And he would be session leader, uh, which was the designation, essentially somebody that was kind of calling the shots for the band and writing the charts for the band. Yeah. And what would happen is the singer songwriter would sit down probably with an acoustic guitar and play the song. Um, and I remember in one instance, uh, you know, it was a, uh, a girl like really young, probably 16, 17 years old, killing songwriter, but not, she didn't have a ton of experience in the studio, obviously. Right. And, um, she didn't have experience with writing any charts. She just played her tune. And so Corey then is the liaison between the artist and the band. And Corey would then furiously write out the chart as she played in real time. Yeah. And then maybe, um, at the bridge, he'd say, you know what, go back to the bridge and, you know, let's, because there was maybe an odd bar there or oh, there was a chord that kind of caught me off guard and he would you know maybe she'd play it through one more time and then he would have the chart written for everybody oh dude yeah and it's, then it's real he would it? take it yeah right he would take it and photocopy it and then give everybody charts right um and then then when Corey's not there it would be me <laughs> so so i'm yeah. in that zone of like also writing it out, you know, having my bass maybe, or that's where, you know, the ear training thing, being able to go boom, 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 boom. So hearing one, four, yeah. five, four, one, like thinking about, oh, well, okay, this is just a one, four, five, four in the key of G or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. so critical. We should probably do a course on full on chart writing. Oh, we should. We don't have yeah, one we should do. We should do. And just to point out as well, when these, like I've been, I can remember being in Sunset Sound. Um, I was doing a track with, um, over in LA, I was doing a track with a guy called Warren Hewitt. Um, he was... I yeah, think was a, oh, produce, produce like the pros. Yeah, 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 I was doing a track right? with him. Yeah. This fun thing we were doing. Um, oh, man, it was a, it was great, actually, good fun. But anyway, we got to, uh, we were sitting down, and we obviously he hits the playback, and we get to hear the hear the tune, and, and we're all sat there with our, you know, pencils, and our chat, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and this is it. And honestly, like, really, like, I've not got my bass on me. I could have, but, and, like, everybody else is, like, there's no instruments in sight. It's just sort of, like, oh, it's in the key of C. Yeah. Playback goes on, you know, and then you just start writing, right? And it's yeah. the deal. And then when you get to the end, you're exactly right. You know, somebody's like, oh, could you just take it from that midsection? Because there was a chord that I missed. So it plays yes. through the midsection. Okay, da, 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 da. no instruments in sight. We're all writing down the charts. And it's, like, wicked. Okay, should we go do this? Then we're into the live room, and then it's like it's. And then you play. Then we play. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, all that to be said. That's pro stuff, yeah, man. All yep, that to be said. Yep. You need to be able to learn to read and write charts. It is not an option mm -hmm. if you're going to be a gigging musician, gigging bass player. True. Notation is optional. Again, it's great to be able to learn to read. I am a bit of a crappy reader. I get that vibe from you as well, Ian. Face says that Ian. Hey, do you know? I was like hanging with Gary Willis. I was on a, a lesson yeah. with Gary Willis in my early uh, early twenties. And I had like reading anxiety and he was like, dude, he was like, don't sweat it. He was like, I'm terrible at reading. He said, you've just got to pick what you're going to work on. And ever yeah. since that moment, I was like, huh, I'm not going to get stressed about reading anymore. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I have actually been sort of like a half decent reader in my past, especially when I was doing like a lot of show stuff and you know, doing yeah. the theater stuff. I was, but yeah. it's just, it's kind of like a muscle. If you, for at least right. for, for me, if you stop doing it like all the time, it kind of just 
goes a bit dusty. You know what I mean? It gets yeah. a bit dusty and old, whereas, like, while I was... I can remember doing a... I can remember getting out of a gig. I was It was like a reading gig, and I'd been doing it for, like, I don't know, like six, six or seven months working with different artists, and it was all reading. So at the end of that, it was like... I was just like... I felt like Superman. I was like, bring on the chart. Yeah, come like, on. Yeah. I'd, like, sit on somebody's, <laughs> sit, sit on somebody's car and read the, the dead yeah. flies off the windshield. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah! But it's not like Confidence. that anymore. I'd have to blow the dust oh, off it now. Man. Anyway, so yeah, number, yeah, yeah, number yeah. six was learn to read and write charts. Notation is optional. Number seven, invest in your sound. Peeps love a great sounding bass. And my point here is just like invest in your sound. You know, like have 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 a nice bass sound. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be an expensive bass. You just need That's to true. have like a decent sound and also invest in your sound and also that I mean like your amps and stuff at the same time. Meaning like don't get on the gig and have things sort of like fall apart, things break. The worst instance I ever saw was a bass player on stage with an artist that I'd worked with before and his ba- his bass amp broke down, but it wasn't yeah. the first time. It was it was actually the right. second or third time it happened, and she actually stopped the song in the middle of the gig and sent him off stage. Oh, come on, dude. Sent him off stage, dude. That's like a damn nightmare. Dude, talk about the walk of shame. (laughs) He had to do the walk of shame off stage. I was like, oh! So invest in your sound, you know. It hurts. Yeah, get like a, you know, a bass that sounds great. It's going to take care of you. Get an amp that works, all of that good stuff. And then also learn about different sounds as well. Be able to create the right sound for the gig. Don't turn up on the Motown gig with the sort of like the super scooped mid and the sort of like the low, the, the super high treble, you know, the, that, you know, and just be appropriate for the gig and, and learn and understand sound. Anyway, what about you? Any thoughts? Oh, man, I for sure. I, I resonate with that. I really think a lot about like what bass to bring to a session or what bass to bring to a gig. I think even um, tonally, it's it's very important. I also think aesthetically, like yep. I don't want to show up to a jazz brunch with with my 76 Gibson Thunderbird, for yeah, instance, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's sort of like a vibe, like just imagine, you know, you're pulling this thing out of the case um, and the, the first impression it makes is also really important. I'll say too, on the thing of like, don't have crappy gear that's breaking also, don't get so precious. Th- this is, I'm talking to myself, don't get so precious about your gear and get such fancy stuff that it's temperamental and not working. I had a really expensive esoteric tube head. Oh, that just the golden tone, the <laughs> unicorn, you know, so hard to find and it was expensive and wow, people are going to be so impressed in my sound. And, and then I would lug it onto these wedding gigs where I'd be playing in somebody's backyard and it would eat tubes. It would like f- blow out a tube. And so, you know, we're playing my girl yeah. in someone's backyard and I've got my stupid expensive tube amp that just flames out a tube. And then there's no bass. And that is so so it's like there's a there's a point where you can almost care too much where you've where you've almost gone over the point of like like yes it needs to sound good, but really what I have discovered is it needs to work. Period. Like, yes, it needs to sound good, but will anyone notice the difference between your, you know, your Ampeg SVT classic or your old 69 Ampeg that you always have to have in the shop? And like, no, 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 don't do that to yourself. Exactly. Like, 
buy some stuff that you really feel good about how it sounds, but also that it is always going to work because what is our role? Our role is to provide root motion and low end. And when your DI or pedal board or string breaks or your amp eats a tube, there is no root motion and there's no low end and therefore you are not doing your job. Right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So that was number seven, invest in your sound. Yeah. Number eight. This is a really, really important one for me. Uh, be a great communicator via email, text, etc. Fast and prompt replies. Meaning that if somebody, and we're talking about getting the gig right, if somebody like offers you, say, you know, taking it back to what we were talking about earlier, right? If you're studying with somebody or you've met somebody at a jam session and, you know, you get the text or the email and they're like, hey, have you got, have you got, um, have you got like a free Friday night on X date? Cause we've got a gig coming up. Like just be on that like fire. Yes. Don't, Cause, and this is, com this actually comes from me when my wife ran a band, it used to drive her around the bend. Oh, when people just wouldn't get back. Oh dude, they just went on the yeah. never again list. They were just like two days. Uh -uh. She wants to know within 24 hours, otherwise you're going on the never again list. It's just, you know, she needs to know because she, she, she's got like a million other logistical things that she is working around and trying to organize. And she doesn't want to be like, oh yeah, I've like texted the bass player and he hasn't texted me back for like, you know, three, four days or whatever. She's oh. just like, get out of my life. <laughs> Do not keep Lisa waiting, y'all. <laughs> Do not keep Lisa waiting. No. She's like an organizational demon, you know. She's, well, she's and, and you have to be, right, to, yeah. to run a band. So th that's so good. And I mean, I have, oh, I have done well at that and really poorly at that. I'm actually thinking about a situation right now that someone asked me about <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> actually, that I really need to just like make a decision and... <laughs> His, his, uh, Matt, but, can I yeah. a, can I do a confessional? Me too. Please. Like right now, I'm having a nightmare right now. I've got like a, a gazillion emails, and I'm just oh, it's it's not it's not going well. My inbox isn't a really healthy place right now. Uh, what it's not I would inbox say, zero right now. It, it is definitely not uh, <laughs> inbox zero. Do you know who I'm speaking to now? Though I'm speaking to the people that want to get a gig. Like I'm I'm actually yes. not like I'm not falling over myself right now in my life to get gigs. But right. I'm talking to the girl or the guy who is really wanting to get the gig. And I'm just going to say yes. it again, you need to be a great, fast communicator by email yes. or DM or text or whatever it is. You know, don't listen to Ian and I. You know, we're like, you know, we're rocking the 40s with the bass dads and we're doing <laughs> our thing. And we're, and we're yeah. not falling over ourselves to get the gig. But if I was, I would be there. I'd be like lightning. It'd be like lightning. People are, yeah. but I'd reply before... They, before they press send, they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, how, how did this happen? <laughs> it's, it's so important because it yes. it, it relieves so much anxiety on on the other side. So the person who's organising the gig, honestly, if there's like if there's a band of four or five people, because they're dealing with musicians, and inherently we're all just a bit crap sometimes because we're yes. arty, and that's just the way it is. Okay, just be the person that just removes that anxiety so she can or he can worry about the other four people, you know, that, that are not hitting them back straight away. You just hit them back straight away. And that is like just such a gold star for the next time she's looking for somebody to hire. She's like, oh, I'm just going to get that one because they replied straight away. 
And also, if it's no, if you get that that call, text, what, whatever, and you know kind of deep down that it's a no, but maybe you're going to, oh, you kind of feel bad about saying no, and you wait a day, you wait another day, you wait another day, and then you say no, oh. you are a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking to myself, Scott, I've done that, man, where you know, like, oh. <laughs> hey, like, dude, we've I, all done it. We've all oh. done it. But we're just like to call it out, right? We're, we're yeah, just, I man. think it's good. I think it's good, man. I was talking to I was talking to Aaron yesterday. We were talking something about something that we would we, we've done, you know, and we were actually redoing it. And I was like, oh, it's such a piece of shit. He was like, oh, <laughs> you're so harsh. I was like, dude, it's just the truth. It's, it's just the, the truth. truth. It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Like after this, I want you to go back in and ask Lisa. All right, back in the day when she was hitting up people to play those gigs, if someone didn't get back to her for four days and then said no, uh, I mean that's like drop them through a trap door into the fiery pits of hell. Oh, dude, I, do you know what? Like, like Lisa's hired a bunch of people, so um, yeah, she she would um, she'll take a fast responder over a great player. Yes. Now yes. I'm not saying that that is true across across the board, but for a lot of people they will. They'll take a fast responder, somebody who's just organized and just responsive and and just sort of like a really great communicator, they will take you over sort of like a great player. So it's actually yeah, because it locks it down. Yeah. Then you get to move on to another another fire that you have to put out. Yeah, exactly. Base isn't the only fire. <laughs> yeah, so if you're just starting out on the scene, it's actually a superpower that you can just grab straight away. You know, it, it, oh, it takes such a zero good, practice. So good. I mean, zero practice. You're not going to have to sweat it. I mean, it's just all you need to do is just be like super fast and responding and, and super yes. organized. Oh, so that was number eight. Be a great communicator. So good, man. That's really good. This yep. is going to be a funny one for you, right? Well, not for you Can't specifically, wait. but you're going to you're going to know somebody that doesn't do this right. And uh, it, number oh, nine, it's not me. It's not you, dude. Number nine, get a driving license. You don't want to oh. be that. You don't want to be <laughs> yeah. that girl or guy. <laughs> Get a driving license. Man up. Just get yeah. a driving license. How many people do you... We all know them, right? We all know the musicians. I know a few. Yeah. yeah I know a few. And, and unfortunately, yep. they're always killing players, right? They're always the killing player and they get like, by. I don't have a car, man. Oh, they just get by because they're great players. The only reason we know them, right, is because they're great players and people put up with them. Put up with them not having a car. But, you know, just like broadly speaking... You know, I'm thinking about a few right now, and they're always like, they're great players. I've done many gigs with them. They always kill it, right? And, but there's always sort of like an element of, man, I wish I could get some more gigs. This is what they're saying. And like, I'm always like, dude, get a driving license. Do you know I mean, car. like, get a car. Because <laughs> when people, uh, it's the same thing what we were talking about in the earlier point, be a great communicator, same deal, right? When it comes to booking gigs, if somebody's thinking, oh, I'm going to get John Smith, Right? Oh, that great bass player, John Smith. <gasps> oh, he hasn't got a car. It's instantly more anxiety because they're just like, oh, now I need to organize transport, or there's just going to be more crap to deal with. So just remove it and just get a driving license. It's not oh, hard. Yeah. Look at all of the it, people driving around. Get over it. It's easy. Oh, so it's so much. <laughs> also, I mean, this, this can trickle down into so many things. Also, get a bass. I, I actually know a couple mm. of great players that like don't like that that are like in between bases or something, and they're like, "Oh, hey, could I borrow a or could oh. I rent your?" And I'm like, oh. "Yes," <laughs> or or get an amp or like 
make sure to bring your power cord to your amp. Now, I mean, I've forgotten, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've forgotten that stuff before we all have, but like, you know, the people that are chronically like they don't have a tuner you know? <laughs> or they don't have a, yeah, you know, yeah. or they don't have a cart to yeah. load in the gear, you know? And they're like, Oh, Hey, after you're done loading in, can I use your cart? And you're like, sure. But it's just, uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's not, isn't it? Just get it together. Yeah. Get it together. I mean, Maybe it, point number nine should be just like, get it together. Get a driving license <laughs> and get it together. And I do apologize yeah. for anybody that is like not a driver and you're just like, oh, it's, but it's so hard. Or, or all of the other things that you might be thinking about what I'm saying right now. Okay. That is all fine. You know, it's fine. I apologize, but just, just get a, get a driving license, right? Yeah. Or just, especially or, or if you're trying to get this. gigs. Especially How if you're trying this? to get or, gigs. <laughs> or don't put the onus of the driving on the band. Like, yeah, yeah, figure yeah. out where you need to be and take care of the transportation. Don't make that. Like, if you don't have a car, it's it's less about having a license and a car, Scott, right? And more about take care of the transportation. If you show up in an Uber, no one cares. If you show up via subway in New York, I mean, absolutely. so many players in New York yeah, don't absolutely. have a car. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so yeah, just yeah. take, don't make transportation the responsibility of, of the band leader, yeah. the drummer, yeah. of the, right? Like, take care of the transportation. Don't moan about it. Um, yeah, but if you're in the Midwest, like I am, get a car. <laughs> get a car. Get a driving <laughs> get a <car>. license. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number yeah. 10. Number 10 is a bit of a weird one, right? But I've also got a bonus tip. I've got a number 11. Oh, I came with 11, right? So number 10 of course, good. is a bit of a weird one. Left to center, but there we go. Be curious. Ask mm. questions. Don't be the silent kid at the back of the class. And what that means is I think that it's really easy to be like the silent kid at the back of the class who didn't know. You know I mean, like the teacher's like, any questions? And and because and, and I'm, spe I'm speaking to me. I was the guy at the back of the class. Oh, oh I yeah. didn't ask. I wanted to. I was like, oh, oh everybody, everybody understand this? What's on the board? And I'm like, oh, I don't understand. I don't understand. Right. So like right. my point is be curious and don't be the, be the kid at the back of the classroom. And just, you know, if you're not sure, ask. If you're on a gig and you're sort of like, just, just, just be curious and just ask people if like people are there to help you, you know, you don't have to be the perfect, you know, like it just, it just doesn't egg. It actually, for me, it kind of, it, there's a barrier that it puts up a barrier of actually bonding with the people in the band. If you're not curious. And when I started yes. gigging, maybe this could be part of the next one as well, the 10 commandments to keep in the gig. But um, but when it when I, when I first started gigging, I was I made a real point of if I was unsure about um, like the ending on something or the intro or whatever it was, I'd go and ask. I wouldn't be like, oh, yes. maybe nobody noticed. I was like really oh, curious right. and I was really open and and I was just like really you know communicative with with everybody within the band and just trying to be the best I could be, you know. Yeah, but but that takes vulnerability and self-confidence, right? And sometimes we don't always enter situations with that level. I mean, I was definitely in my 20s the the guy that didn't ask, too. I mean, that was, you know, like my story of faking that I knew McCartney and getting fired from my first yeah, session. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was because I didn't ask. And there have been plenty of times on sessions where someone has said, oh, man, like, do that, you know, do that, like... Um, Oh, Bruce Thomas thing with Elvis Costello. And I'd go, yep, yeah, cool. And then like later I'd be like, I should probably listen to, uh, you know, Elvis <laughs> Costello. And and I just, 
you're so inclined, you want to be cool, right? So you are inclined to just agree and not ruffle feathers and not be the one to say, I don't know what that is, you know, because everyone assumes that you do, but there's so much more power in saying, geez, I, I should, but take the L (laughs) accountability, take it, say, Oh, you know what? I actually don't know what that is. Can you play it for me quick? And then that actually creates an opportunity to bond over an experience. Exactly. Like I I said that recently on a session, someone mentioned like a band, like an indie rock band that I wasn't familiar with. And I was like, you know, I actually totally don't know who that is. Will you just play it? And they're like, oh, for sure. And they pulled it up. And then I ended up loving the band and checking it out. And it actually increased, like it it gave me more um, relational capital. And then I found a new band that I liked. And if I would have said, oh, yep, yep. Then I would have played and they would have thought, does he really, is he lying? Like, that's a terrible, you know, like, does he actually know? Cause he's not really playing like he does. Like yeah. that's, oh, you don't want that. And it's easy oh. to do that, isn't it? It's easy. easy. It's easy. So easy to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do oh, it, it's it's far more easy to just agree and go with the flow. Like, oh yeah, totally. I know, I know all the old Stones tunes and all the old Beatles tunes when nobody does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody lies about that stuff, and it's so much more powerful to admit it, and then it creates an opportunity for you to actually grow and grow the relationship too. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so number ten: be curious and open. Ask questions. Don't be the silent kid in the back of the class. Back of the class. Bonus tip. Oh, Bonus tip Bonus number tip. eleven. I can't wait. Practice your ass off whenever you can. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, yeah. your bass playing is where the book stops. Like, ah, you, know, you got to be able to do the freaking job. You've got right, to be able Scott? to do the job. You can be as nice. You can bring donuts to the gig. You can have a great amp. You can have a car. You maybe you wrote the chart. What are the other ones? Maybe you you've got a uh, really big car and you can fit the rest of the band in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've you've said yes to the low paying gig. You know, like like all the what are, what are all of them? I mean, all the way up to the top. You've done all these things yeah. right. Hey, hey, I've done all these things right. But if you can't freaking play the bass, you've got to. Well, yeah, yeah, you've got to be continuously it's, it's practicing done. and trying to get better yeah. at your craft. Yeah, the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. Yeah, and I think it's and, it's everybody kind of gets that, but it's just worth reminding. Just you know, just worth. I just kind of sort of like wrapping up on that point that we've just all got to be continuously learning, and we can. You know, it, it never really ends. Like you've got to really for me, fall in love with the learning experience. Oh, yeah. Because that just makes it so much more enjoyable when you're in love with the actual experience of learning. Yes, and I can see that in your playing. Like, when I see you play, like, when you got that new F bass and you were just playing that and posted some clips of you just playing it, I was like, oh, it's so good. Because I just, and it and seeing you do that made me want an F bass. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but maybe more than that. I mean, it made me want to pick, you know, like, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. see someone that loves it, it makes you want to do the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think, you know, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating for me that I really do think about practice as self-care Instead of thinking about going into the shed where it's going to be dark and dank and horrible and your fingers are going to hurt and you're going to work on really complicated shit that you're never going to get together, you know, like, no, what, what if you, what if you, you take small pieces, bite-sized pieces that are going to give you wins. You do, you know, a small amount of time. You're in a comfortable space. You've thought about the lighting. You've thought, you know, you, you get a nice rug. I mean, there's some very simple. <laughs> hey, you know, people might not have seen your rug. Ian's got a oh, great yeah. rug. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put a pic of the rug on Instagram later, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they're very small, inexpensive things that you can do to make your space nice, but really it's about head. Don't you think, Scott? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's about your mindset entering in that practice and like what you said, fall in love with it. Figure out how to do that. What's kicking you? What, what is making you hate it? Are you trying to learn all of Teen Town in an afternoon? Don't do that to yourself. Break it out over a week. Learn the first two bars. Decide that that is a huge win. You learn the first two bars and you can play at half speed of Teen Town in a practice session or a couple of practice sessions. That's a huge win. It's huge, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so make sure that that you're not, you don't want it too quickly and that you're setting yourself up for success so that when you come back to reintegrate with the instrument to practice, to hold it, to play it, that you feel inspired and not discouraged. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you know when you thought about when you talked about Teen Town? I also want to add as well because that is what I would do. I'm I'm definitely the Teen Town kid, right? But yeah, come on, the whole thing, the whole yeah. thing. I'm definitely the Teen right. Town kid, right? Uh, but also, just to put it out there as well for anybody that's um, not into like that thing about sort of like doing the whole chopsy thing. Like two players that really um, that I that jumped to mind when I think about sort of like pro bass players doing it at a high level that, that aren't like Pino. Because like Pino's yes. sort of like, he's like God level. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just sort yes. of like, he's on this kind of sort of like this. Yeah. And it's not that he's sort of like a better or worse player than anybody. It's just he's, he's on that God level. He's not sort of like a normal guy. So when I think about the normal bass players, but people are doing it at a huge level, I kind of think of like Sean Hurley and John Button. I don't know why they jumped to mind. But the, Absolutely. the important thing about those those two players are they're not very chopsy, right? They're just right. they're not very chopsy. They're just amazing from a musical perspective. They just do a yes. great job of playing the bass. They just can do an absolute perfect job of what they're doing. And they're just sort of like the fully rounded musician, right? Yes. Side note that John Button is super, he's actually got scary chops, actually. He's I got, know. He, it's yes. like, it's just, I think maybe something in his past. I'm not sure, but he's so great. But both of them, man, just great players, great oh, players. Killing. Yeah. And Button can read, too. I mean, I know you know that because oh, you yeah. did the, yeah. that reading thing with him. Yeah. But he is, he is heavy. He is heavy. And it's that thing. I think we talked about this earlier of like, it's that thing of driving a fast car slow. You know, like when mm. you have that, there's nothing cooler yeah. than, than cruising in a car that has all this, you don't, you know, you're not always going 200 miles an hour, <laughs> yeah. right? but you can, what if yeah, you yeah, can yeah, yeah, go yeah, 200 yeah. miles, yeah, you know, like that's the yeah. coolest thing. Yeah. So Button has got 200 miles an hour under the hood. He's got, you know, he's got 600 horsepower. He's got a lot of torque. He's got you know, a lot of torque not, under that. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. he's not going to use it. Like it's, it's going to come out occasionally. You'll go, wow, I wonder if there's another gear in there. And, and there is. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. Cool. So just to wrap that up, I'm just going to take everybody through it again. Number one, community is everything. Number two, don't be afraid of taking low pay, low paid gigs. Number three, have a level of visibility online. Number four, create your own projects. Don't wait for the doorbell to ring. Take control. Number five, learn tunes and repertoire. Jazz, pop, rock, metal. You'll be more employable. Number six, learn to read and write charts. Notation is optional. Number seven, invest in your sound. Peeps love a great sounding bass and amp. Number eight, be a great communicator and a fast communicator uh, via text, via DM, via email. Number nine, 
get a driving license. <laughs> you don't want to be that girl or guy, or at least get it together. Or at least to your point, Ian, don't rely on other people for uh, for for uh, transportation. Number ten, be curious and ask questions. Don't be the silent kid at the back of the class. And and number eleven, the bonus tip: practice your ass off whenever you can. <laughs> Boom! Damn, damn right. Scott Nian Show bringing you that value you need to get the gig. Exactly. And next up, number 10, well, next up in the, I don't know what episode we're on actually, but next up we're going to do the 10 commandments to keep in the gig. Oh, yes. A slightly more subtle set of commandments uh, that are going to dig into psychology, I imagine. A little bit more interpersonal skills. Yeah, um, there's definitely some, there's some that sort of like overlap a little bit, but actually there's, there's some fun ones, actually, that you'll be just like, I can't oh, wait. dude, oh, dude, you'll, you'll feel it. Wait. Anyway, dudes, thanks for listening. We will be back with you next time. Take it easy. I'll see you in the shed. Cheers, everybody. Mm-hmm.